Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate and Educate podcast. It's Erin Patton here. I am recording this intro the night after Teacher's Night Out. It has been like 24 hours. So this time last night, the show was starting and it was fun. This time last night, I was celebrating all of you teachers out there and we were just having such a good time. Um, Ah, last night was so fun. I wish every single one of you could have been there. Those of you that were able to come, I'm so glad you got to. And next year, yes, I said next year. Next year, we um, hope to have many more of you there. It was just such a fun event getting to celebrate the best profession in the world made up of the best teachers or the best people in the world, which are teachers. Um, it was just so fun. I It was encouraging and exciting how how um, thrilled the volunteers were. We had a group of teacher volunteers that came and they were ushers and ticket takers and did all of this different stuff. And uh, they were so excited to be there. Just the energy of everyone there was contagious and so exciting. I woke up yesterday morning smiling, like truly, like it's November 15th. November 15th is the date that we've been waiting for and planning for for so long. And it was the actual day. And I woke up smiling and I don't feel like I ever wiped my smile off my face all day yesterday. I was just the anticipation leading up to it and then watching it all happen, watching all of our plans come to fruition and, you know, seeing the Broken Arrow Band and the cheer and palm kids be out there and just setting the stage and like setting the fun party environment and just watching from the start of the show to the end of the show that ah, I just it was so good everyone was so good and we're all we were all there because we love teachers so much and we want to celebrate teachers and I hope you guys felt it because I did it was fun and the theme of last night, the theme of our first um, Teachers Night Out was the power of one, and that is what this episode is about. We're going to talk about the one, the person who is behind Teachers Night Out, the inspiration that for this to all happen, and we're going to explain that. She's going to talk about it. Her name is Amy Crawford, and then Amy got in touch with Rob Miller, who is the superintendent at Bixby Public Schools, and Rob was our link to Amy. We're going to talk all about that. I don't want to spoil any of the stories, but this episode you get to hear from Amy Crawford and Rob Miller, and we talk about their time in the classroom, and then we also talk about, you know, the power of one and how this whole thing came about, how Teachers Night came about. Amy has an organization in Knoxville, Tennessee called Reach Them to Teach Them. And very similar to Relate and Educate, very similar, you know, mission statement and calling. And Amy did her first event and it went awesomely well. And she just kept going. She's been doing this for, oh, she tells you on here, but it's something like a bunch of years. I don't want to get it right. But she's been doing this for teachers in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so she helped us be able to get this first event under our belt. And you get to hear from her. You get to hear the lady behind it all. And also Rob Miller, who is our connection behind it all. So enjoy this episode with Amy Crawford and Rob Miller. Amplifying the voices of teachers. This is Relate and Educate. 
Hey teachers, it's Erin Patton here from Relate and Educate. I am sitting in here in a hotel business room with it's Rick. It's very nice. Yes, we, it is. We have a very nice conference table that it we're is. at. It is. I like sitting behind a table. Yeah, it's we need just to nice. Do, we need to get, we a, need to get a podcast a table. table. Yeah. We like, I like it. And we are sitting here the day after Teacher's Night Out. Last night was the big night that we have been planning and prepping for, and I know you guys were so excited for, and it has happened. And we are talking to someone who is truly the reason that this whole thing happened. Yep. This is Amy Crawford. Hello, Amy. Hello. I'm so excited to be Yay. here. I'm excited to have you. Okay, we're going to get into all of this of the why and how you're the inspiration behind all this. I mean, those oh are some gosh. big words. <laughs> Do you like that? No. No. You don't Too love all pressure. the attention and pressure. No. I know. Oh my goodness. I feel you there. Um, but before we talk about all of the Teachers Night Out connections, I, I want us to get to know you and get to know who you are and what you're about. So, Amy, what do you currently teach? I currently teach seventh grade English okay. in um, Maryville City Schools right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And how long have you been teaching? This year is year 30. Year 30. So tell me yeah. what all different grades and subjects and stuff have you taught? Well, my first year teaching, I taught second grade. I spent the first oh. half of my career teaching elementary school. I taught I'm third grade. I'm an elementary grade. girl. Yes. Oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I love some of the sweetest years of my oh, teaching career were in elementary. Um, and then my husband and I have four kids. So I took some time off mm -hmm. out of the classroom. And when I went back after our fourth child was born, um, I moved to middle school and okay. I, I taught eighth grade for several years and then landed in seventh grade and I've been in seventh nice. grade for a while now. Were you nervous about that jump? I was. I yes. bet I would be. That's a big yeah. jump. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Principal at the school said, you know, if you want to come and observe for a day yeah. and the school was the feeder school for the elementary school where I okay. taught. So it was the same kids I'd Aww. had as third graders. Oh, that makes it yep. extra special. Five years later, they were wow. eighth graders. So I got ah. to see a little bit of the process. That's so fun. I taught his daughter in third grade and then moved up to fifth grade and had her in third and fifth. And that yeah. fifth grade year was so priceless and perfect to get to have my kids again. Yes. I loved that. So... Fun, yep. fun, fun. Okay, so what was your journey to get into education? How did this happen? Um, well, it, it was it was a reluctant journey. I, come I from love a, these yeah, stories. A family of teachers. My uh, father was a teacher for a very short time, just 18 months. So I wow. jokingly tell him, you're not a teacher, <laughs> but he thinks he is. Um, and then my grandparents, his, his mom and dad, yeah. were lifelong educators. My grandmother was an elementary school teacher for 39 oh, years. Wow. And my grandfather was an elementary principal in mm -hmm. Knoxville, where I grew up. So... Um, I, I resisted yeah. the, 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 family. the family business, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. But um, in college, I thought I wanted to be in um, marketing. I like writing little jingles and things. So I, I thought I wanted to just write um, yeah. like catchy, catchy songs yes. and things. So um, it wasn't until I got into a few of my education classes that I realized, mm. you know, I can use that love for That's making things fun and catchy and memorable in a classroom so oh I love that yeah. I love what, that yeah what kind of things have you been able to harness that gift 
Oh my goodness. Uh, ooh, my brain is like, what? Um, <laughs> we can come back to it. Well, I love, I love teaching poetry. Uh, and yeah. well, just last week in my classroom, I had my kids challenge them to memorize Lewis Carroll's poem, Jabberwocky. I've heard you know of that. that song? I oh, that, I know what poem? you're talking about, but I don't know it like well or anything. Can I say I, it? Please. I mean, okay, so it tells a story, but it's made up of nonsense words. Okay. So it goes like this Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves and the mome raths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, with jaws that bite and claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought, and rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tulgy wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. Hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O oh, frabjous day, kaloo, kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig. And the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves and the momraths outgrabe. Wow. Goodness. So, yeah, that, I was captivated. <laughs> no kidding. It's so much fun to do that with kids. So, it, yes. Uh, the people that just listened to that. In their, in their car as they're walking around. Yeah. That was good, but you have no idea how good it was here. Yes, <laughs> seeing the faces. Her presentation was immaculate. Oh, yes. Oh, that's so fun. Your chil- your yeah. students are so lucky that they have had you all these 30 years. Oh, I'm wow. lucky to how have them. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. my goodness. I love it. Okay, so your, I want to hear about your why, because you were reluctant to get into it, but right. you obviously did, and you've been in education for a long time. A long so time. why? Why? Because our, our world needs good people. Mm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, we need to... There, there are so many things going on. My, I think my why has probably changed through oh, the yeah. course of my career. Okay. Uh, at, you know, at the beginning, mm-hmm. my why was I love kids and I, I love stories and I want to introduce little kids to the magic of books and words mm-hmm. and language as a, as a way to escape, you know, mm-hmm. just go into a different yeah. world where you can be anything and you can do anything. And it's that's still part of my why. I still love teaching now seventh graders how to take those 26 letters in the alphabet and arrange them in a way that can make Mm. people feel something or prompt them to do something and act on something and how powerful words are. So, you know, it's, it's that purposeful pedagogy. Mm -hmm. We just (laughs) talked about that at breakfast, but you know, the, the, the why content related why, and now that I've been in it for a Mm -hmm. while, and that experience of having third graders five years later as eighth graders, I think elementary kids come into our schools and they're question marks, they're curious, mm-hmm. and they're interested in, why does this happen? Why does this happen? And they're so eager to learn. I call it shining eyes. You know, they have, they're yes. leaning forward and they have shining eyes. I know eyes. exactly. Yes. Yes, you know, you're yes. there. I taught high school. I'm not sure what <laughs> well, Okay, <that> is. so, so <laughs> as eighth graders... They come in, yeah. these, and I had the same kids. Yes. So the same kids who were so thirsty to learn mm-hmm. as third graders, as eighth graders, came into 
my classroom again mm-hmm. five years later, and they were periods. They weren't mm. question marks anymore. Yeah. They were, and, and, and they came from mm. affluent families that valued education, and school mattered to them, so they were mm-hmm. motivated, um, but they were more apathetic. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. the minimum I could do and still get credit and not get in trouble at home? Mm-hmm. They didn't have that that intrensic draw. Yeah, right. The curiosity was yes. gone. You it have, was you just have to dig for it. Exactly. You, you know, yeah. I had yeah. juniors for a long time, and you had to dig for it. It's still there, but it's been covered up by a lot of different things: hormones, oh. girlfriends, <laughs> yes. boyfriends, car keys, things like that. But car once keys. you found it, mm-hmm. it's I I know what you're saying now. Like. Yeah. I loved to tell stories about people in, you know, historical context, right? Right. Uh, the weird stories that, you know, nobody had ever heard before. And when you're mid-story and they're leaning over on their desk yeah. and, and they're, their <laughs> mouth's open, they're trying to figure out where this is going, that was pretty good. Yeah. That's Probably a win. the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're thirsty. I like right. that. But I have, um, my classroom is set up, I call it the locker room, and the kids call me Coach Crawford, which came out of a different experience. But I have a football field rug in the, mm-hmm. as the centerpiece in my classroom. And you were asking about, you know, my why and how it has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. I want, we, we talk a lot about, you know, athletes. You know, athletes work hard to get results, but they don't always enjoy the process of working hard, but they enjoy the results of having worked hard, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. So we use our football field. You know, how many people are sitting in the stands, more or less than are on the field? Mm -hmm. Like, well, there's, you know, there are fewer people on the field than there are in the stands. That's right. And what are the people in the stands doing? They're cheering and they're booing. Mm. You know, they're complaining or they're <laughs> encouraging. And it's like, if you do anything, if you, if you step out and you live your life and you take a chance and you step out, you step out from the stands onto the field of life, mm-hmm. you're going to have people cheer you and you're going to have people boo you. They're in the stands for a reason. Yeah. So yeah. whichever whichever side of the cheers or the boos you're on, you have to remind yourself you're on the field. Mm-hmm. And you're participating. And sometimes you're going to drop a pass and fumble the ball or miss it. You know, you're, go- you're going to make mistakes, but you're on the field. Yeah. And I want to give kids the courage and confidence and skill to take the field. Yeah. Understanding that, yeah, they, they may mess up, mm. but they can get up after they mess up. Yeah. Because it's better on the field. But we need people. We need people in our world to be on the field. Mm-hmm. We've got way too many people in the stands of life. Yeah. <laughs> cheering and booing. Yes. Yeah. And not so many doing anything about it. Rob, uh, Rob yeah. quoted uh, Brene Brown, which essentially oh, is yeah, the absolutely. same thing. You know, you're in the arena. You uh. know? And, if, <laughs> and if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, then you really don't have your opinion yeah. doesn't really matter. So being there, being on the field, mm-hmm. risking, having, taking a risk mm. is honorable but it's yeah. also a lot of people f- shy away from it, you know, because it is inherently they could lose something. Yeah, you know? self-preservation. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'd rather do nothing than do something wrong. It's like yeah. don't be afraid of doing something wrong. Anybody who's ever done anything that matters mm-hmm. has done something wrong. Yeah. Well, to be that encouragement for, yeah. for kids mm-hmm. to say get in the game. Right. Play the game. It's fun. And it's yeah. and it's terrible and it's tragic <laughs> right. and it's awesome, but it's all of these yeah. things. But it's worth being 
on the field. It's mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So tell us, I don't know, some of those things that you do that you're able to do to build those relationships, to build that environment in your classroom so that your kids are confident and excited to go on the field, whatever that means. Okay, you know, I'll share one thing at the very beginning of the year. You know, we talk we talk about our classroom as a locker room, and we're training for the game of life. And above mm-hmm. the door that goes out into the hallway, it says stadium entrance, oh, wow. so that they remember. That's you know, you're cool. leaving the locker room. This is where we train and practice and get ready. But when you walk out the door, you're in the game. So that would be something. Another thing. How long have you been doing that? Um, since 2000, so since about 2000. 20 years. Yes, actually, I taught for two years. I taught fourth grade in an inner city school okay. in Knox County. It was identified as a failing school. And my classroom was in a portable building out behind the, the main building, the main school building. And I felt like my students felt like they were, they were shunned, they were mm. cast out. They weren't really a part of the school because their classroom was the only one in a different building out in the back part of the school. So I just thought, how can we make this, how can we make this space special? And I also looked at my, you know, my students, um, they were very challenging. And I had to think about who do they admire? Who do they respect? And they liked celebrities Mm -hmm. and athletes and, you know, um, singers. Anyway, so I decided to tap into the athletes Mm -hmm and use the athletes as, as their role model. And I said, we're out here because you are champions in training. And you know, it mm. became this, this little space right here is our locker room. And there's so many metaphors that you can use in the classroom for s- sports. Mm-hmm. Hard work pays off. Yes. Um, the sacrifices you make when you, w- yeah, so many of my students play team sports. They play soccer. And I'll say, how many of you have ever had to miss a birthday party because you had soccer mm. practice or you had a soccer tournament? And those are the sacrifices you make because you enjoy the game. I'll ask my football players, and Maryville City is big football, mm. big football district. <laughs> so football, they raise them, they raise them young there to play, yeah. to play football. And I'll ask the boys, you know, who, do you do you enjoy running those those suicides that your coach makes you makes you run? No. And I'm like, well, why don't you quit? If mm. you don't like it, why don't you quit? Yeah. And they're like, well, because and because why? like because I love this game and I'm willing to to do what's unpleasant to get to the place where I want to eventually be and that's you know that's what education is mm-hmm. it's yeah. like yeah we're going to learn how to use punctuation marks which you may not find pleasant necessarily yeah. but once you learn how to use them effectively and you watch people respond to your writing in a way that gives you your desired result yeah. it's worth it yeah so showing them you know the the, the big picture the big why that's part of why I love what I do. I, I want to go back to you transforming the space just merely okay. by perception, right? Mm. We, again, alluding to we had breakfast this morning. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. And we talked about the event, and you talked about the importance of the venue. And the venue right. of your classroom was naturally negative because it was outside. Mm-hmm. It was it was different. Right. And they kind of you know, internalize that, but then you transform that, just pivoted that a little bit. And now they're, they're different because they're special. Right. Yeah. That masterful job. (laughs) Seriously, because you could just Mm -hmm. concede that point. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, this, this is kind of who we're perceived to be and not not address it, but you took it and flipped it and made it an advantage. Mm. Well, I think anybody can. And, you know, the, 
the power of a teacher in a classroom, it, it, I've seen a quote, I can't, I can't recite it, but it's like you create the atmosphere in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And there, there are so many people in the world who will complain about their circumstances. And I have zero patience for complainers because it does nothing to change the situation except yeah. make it worse. Right. Mm -hmm. So rather than complain, think about you know, what do we have? Like, what do we have to be grateful for and how can we leverage the things we do have mm -hmm. to get to a place where we can see the good instead of the bad? Yeah. And, th and they were right. I didn't like being in the portable. I didn't like being, I didn't like that. Right. But once, you know, once the kids bought into the, you know, this is the locker room where we're mm -hmm. champions in mm -hmm. training and we're going to take on the world and, you know, to watch their energy, it started to feed my energy. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice yeah. psychological jujitsu move <laughs> <laughs> for your classroom. I, yeah, I gotcha. Love it. <laughs> okay. So Amy, you yep. were talking about, um, some awesome stuff that you do with your kids. I, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just okay. going to let you start telling it just, yeah, melted me. Okay, so th it's really visual. You have to you have to see it. So if you're listening to the podcast and you can get a piece of paper and a pencil, I'm going to give you the six letters to effective teaching. <laughs> and I use this in my classroom the first week of school. And I and uh, for what a grade just to be for clear for seventh grade, seventh but it works grade. for any grade. Okay, this will, as long as they can recognize the letters of the alphabet, they can yeah. they can get the benefit of this okay. this strategy. Good, good. <laughs> Um, but you, you'll write down the letter I, the letter Y, the letter Q, the letter Y, the letter Q, and the letter R. Okay. Did so you do that? Were you in here when we did this, Rick? No. Okay. okay. You do it. I'm no. So I've, I've just written down the, the six letters, I followed by Y, then Q, then Y again, then Q, then R, six letters. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have Rick read those letters out loud in order. I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. Okay, would you read them again just a little bit faster? Yeah. I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. Do you hear it yet? No, I don't. One more time. <laughs> Do it again. I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. Would this help? I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? Yeah. So up, in, up on the bookshelf in my classroom right now, I have the letters from Hobby Lobby that's just I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. And as, as seventh graders. Now I hear it. Yeah. yeah. I was feeling a little nervous. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It. Go yeah. ahead. It has that effect. I tell the parents at our open house, too, and yeah. they feel that same way. They're like, I'm going to fail the first day. I am um, really dumb. Yeah, anyway. it, it serves as a visual reminder. Yeah. You know, when they walk in the door, if, if they're having one of those days where their best friend has said, I hate you, I don't want you to be my friend yeah. anymore, or they've broken up with their love of the day, mm -hmm. they can see that. And they know, and I explain it to them. I like you like you are because I decided before I even met mm. you two. So it's not based on how you're dressed or how tall you are or how good at sports you are, how smart you are, how much homework you do or don't do. I decided in advance, I like you like you are and you don't have to change. Yeah. 
So you're, so e you're even, accepted here. Even in your bad days. Even on your bad And yes. hopefully yeah. they'll learn to accept me on mine as well because yeah. I have plenty. Mm -hmm. yeah. And continuing to come back to that and seeing that visual mm -hmm. reminder, I mean, knowing that every day when you walk in that there is someone who is wiking you like, <laughs> wipe you are. <laughs> you know, but right. like that. And however they're showing up today, like however right. that is, and the person that they are today, the person that they are at the end of the school year, right. that they have a teacher who is liking them and who is, you know, wanting to get them out on the field and all of that. I mean, right. oh. yeah. you've it's just good. positioned yourself as, first of all, safe space. Yeah. And right. then you've positioned yourself as an advocate. And that's know? what I want to be. That's my yeah. goal. I'm yeah. always working towards that. I, I think every teacher is. It, and you have days when you feel like, oh, yes, I've, I've mastered this. And then you slide <laughs> back, you know, and it's and like, And then Whoa. tomorrow happens. <laughs> and then tomorrow happens. But... Yeah, it's and it's a it's a privileged space. Mm -hmm. I think any teacher mm -hmm. who fully realizes the power that he or she has in the classroom understands that walking in and standing before impressionable humans um, with that comes a tremendous responsibility. Yeah. And we always have to be mindful of that. We're not perfect people, but I do think teaching makes you a better person. Oh, agreed. oh, my gosh. It makes you more complex it makes mm -hmm. you empathetic it makes you mm -hmm. well that's we talk about you know teachers have to have a higher um emotional intelligence than yeah. the, the average joe on the street because they are working with mm -hmm. human beings intimately right. and sometimes 30 an hour so you get a new batch right. every mm -hmm. hour and that's incredibly difficult yeah. right so i think of um the UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. Mm -hmm. I've heard of him. He was one of the winningest co <laughs> coaches in basketball history. And he, he rigorously and uncompromisingly taught his players the fundamentals of basketball. Mm -hmm. But just as important as that is he knew them. He knew mm -hmm. that this player responds well to praise. This player responds better to um, criticism yeah. or corrective criticism yes, I yes, should yes. say and I mean the, the very first day of basketball practice for John Wooden's basketball team was how to how to put your shoes on mm -hmm. because if you put your sock on and your sock has a wrinkle in it you're gonna have blisters on your feet mm -hmm. you won't be able to play effectively you've got these young superstars you know expecting to be let me you know let me sh shoot the layups or let me the jump shot from midcourt and he's like no we're gonna learn how to put our shoes on today mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in, in my classroom and in a lot of classrooms all across the country, it's like, how are we going to create a community where we feel safe mm -hmm. and it's okay to be wrong? Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's tough to do in, in mm -hmm. the world we live in. It, mm -hmm. it takes time to learn how to facilitate something like that. Right. You know, like a first year teacher will not be able to do that. But by the time they get to fourth year, fifth year, okay, mm -hmm. now, now they're figuring it out. And you can start really working on those advanced moves <laughs> as <Yeah>. a teacher. Because <laughs> it is super, yeah. super hard, you know, to, to effectively lead and create a safe space. And being attentive, like you talked about last night, um, being attentive to those little nudges mm -hmm. that your kids will, they'll show you how, where they're at. Right. But you can also look right past them getting to the next thing. Um, but I, I feel like as I got older, I could sense that. And I was comfortable enough to pause whatever we were doing mm. to address it. You know what I mean? Which, again, yeah. 
you know, there's stresses about pacing and all that stuff, and you realize that we, we, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, I don't Do think it. we can brush over that because there is incredible, incredible pressure to cover the standards and assess mm. the standards mm-hmm. and um, measure progress towards mastery. I mean, yeah. that's the job description of yeah. a teacher. Yeah. But that's not what a teacher does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and it, it's tough to put that, not necessarily put that aside. It's like a both and. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you do have that relationship and you do have that safe space, you can get progress towards mastery at a faster rate yes. than you can if you don't have that mm-hmm. relationship foundation. But it is, there is a lot of pressure when test scores are going to be published in the newspaper yeah. and broadcast on the local TV channels on how this district did, mm. how this teacher performed. and. It's a lot. Do we have any advice or anything for <laughs> teachers who are juggling that, you know, of the intentional social-emotional connections that you're having with your kids and then the rigor of school? This is a thought that just this okay. moment popped into my head, okay. so it's unfiltered. I think as a teacher, you have to think about... I don't know any teacher who chose the profession to teach standards, to teach mastery, to, to teach to a test. Mm -hmm. The teachers I know, and and usually this is secondary and elementary Mm -hmm. preschool, you know, it's, I want to make a difference. I want to do something that matters. I want to leave a legacy. I want to invest in something that's going to outlive me Mm -hmm. that will go on after I'm gone. The world would be better because I was here. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I I left my mark. Mm-hmm. So, so to speak. So I think if you're feeling that pressure and it's consuming you, I think you have to step back out of it to kind of flip the switch like Gary Brooks talked about last night. Yeah. Flip that switch into the person you are outside of the classroom and what it's going to take for you to be able to put your head on your pillow at night and mm-hmm. sleep well. Mm-hmm. Will I be able to sleep well at night knowing I did the best with what God gave me because I address the need of that child Mm -hmm. that day and put my lesson aside, or will I be able to sleep well because I continue to push that standard, kept assessing, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and sometimes it really does come down to, is this a hill worth dying on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yeah, this is a hill worth dying on. And if you lose your job because of it, you lost it for doing the right thing. You were trying to do what was, what was best for kids. And sometimes that looks different yeah. in, in classrooms across the country. So, mm-hmm. yep. But sure. at the same time, I mean, this may be my, you know, building relationships with kids, right. loving kids, wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, I feel so many feelings all the yeah. time. But I've never regretted taking those moments never ever ever regretted taking those moments and those moments are the moments that like kids come back and are talking about and that they like do you remember when we did it and it's those heart so often not always I guess but so often it's those heart connections and so I don't know for what it's worth if you are a teacher that is a deeply feeling teacher and really attuned and care about the you know the emotional pulse of your classroom or whatever I don't know. Is that bad advice to say that I never once regretted taking the time to do that? I, I think that each teacher is unique. Yes. Some people mm-hmm. are high feels. Others aren't. I was on the kind of the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I was maybe in the middle. Yeah. Maybe in the middle. But um, 
it took me years to get to the point where I was like, I have to manage some time for the kids, like the actual human beings in the classroom, getting to know them and things like that. Because I was more on the end of, um, I need to get the, uh, I, I, need, I need to get my lesson plan mm -hmm. started. I need to get it <laughs> completed or wh whatever right. I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I learned, and I think that's part of it. And I think this is what younger teachers need to hear is that you learn that over time. Yes. Uh, you know, if you listen to this and you're like, I want to do that. I want to take more time for my kids. Right. It may be a little clunky and you may make some mistakes um, that will lead you to be able to do it a few years from now. Yeah. Um, well, but but I th I, it's the common story for a lot of teachers is I just finally realized. Right. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. grow into the, the ability to manage that. So exactly. I'm sorry I cut you off. Well, no, that it's exactly what happened with me, but the opposite is that I came into it so much like, I love kids so much and I'm going to get to know. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. And then I, over my 15 years, had to like, like I, you know, kind of reprioritize and just had better control over and knew what I was doing and everything, sure. where it did become, you know, the academic was more forefront in my mind than it had been. So I just grew the opposite way, I yeah. guess, which but you right. grew into yeah. mastery, I it, think is, is what it is. Yeah. So whatever, wherever you're coming in at, yeah, if you're willing and pliable and open right. to change, then. And willing to make a mistake. Yes. <laughs> On the, the field of play. On the field <laughs> of play. That's right. Let's, let's talk about your event. I want to, yes. I want to hear about the, the roots of, and it's, you founded the organization called Reach Them to Teach Them. Right. Right. And so can you take us back to the origin story of that? Well, Reach Them to Teach Them, st st when it first started, there was no inkling in my mind that there would be a Reach Them to Teach Them. It mm -hmm. was... Um, there, well, there's I'm, my my brain is getting <laughs> shot with arrows of thoughts on how do I tell this story very where, concisely. But where were you when you had the idea? Mm. I was remember? I was in my classroom at the end of the day. Mm. I had I, my students had just completed an assignment. Um, I had one particular student, and I shared this last night. A student named Andrew, who was very checked out, disconnected. Mm -hmm. um, he was he was failing my class. And when I talked to his other teachers to see how he was doing for them, he was failing their classes as well. Um, he wasn't a disruption. He wasn't a behavior problem. He was just completely disengaged. So the day that the first thought of Reach Them to Teach Them entered my mind was the day uh, Andrew actually submitted an assignment, which was very uncharacteristic of him. And he had written a poem called I'm the Peace That Never Fits. Mm. And that poem showed me a side of Andrew that I would have missed com mm. completely. I, you know, I was, I was more concerned about Andrew's progress towards mastery and his measurable success. And success can be something different in the classroom mm -hmm. if you have a student who won't get along with people, you know, and now that student is working in groups. Well, that's not measurable on a test, but it's significant progress towards mastery yeah. in that child's life. And Andrew had written, had written a poem about how he felt like he wasn't a part of the bigger picture and there was no place for him. And that showed me how I had been 
perilously close to missing that. And if I had been focused on the test, if I had been focused on um, standards and not opened that door for, to give Andrew that opportunity, I would have missed him. And then it occurred to me, Andrew sit in every classroom, in every school, in every city, and that genius, that uniqueness, that giftedness is too precious to miss. Sorry. Uh, okay. So <laughs> Rob Miller just walked in, <laughs> superintendent of Bixby Public Schools, Yay. and there, there's a connection here, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, Amy was talking about when she first had the thought of reach them to teach them. It's like the origin story. And, and she's talking about the poem. And I want to talk about that poem because you, you read it last night at the event. Right. And the visual, and Rob um, pointed it out to me, but it was, it was striking, the visual, that he was the cheese and everybody were the... The mouse. The mouse. Mm -hmm. And then picking at him, right? Take and that, that was yeah. devastating. Just because it came from his heart, right. which was awful. As an eighth grade boy. Yeah. Mm. I mean. That was totally unexpected, Completely. Right? Yeah. Yep. So you're there in your classroom. You had just, I'm assuming, read this poem. And what was your thought? Well, my first thought was gratitude that mm. he had been willing to peel back the layers and let me see what was, what was under some of his academic struggles in my classroom and let me see that academic giftedness mm -hmm. because as an English teacher for him to be able to use metaphor like he did in that poem I am the piece that never fits and the world I am the cheese and everyone is the mouse for him to be able to use words to make me feel what he felt mm. yeah he shouldn't have been failing my class he should have been teaching it <laughs> so you know f for me it was, it was, first of all, gratitude, but second, probably came fear that I almost missed it. Yeah. I, I almost missed him. And then a realization that who else am I, who else mm. am I missing? Yeah. Who wow. else sits in this classroom with this kind of potential? And I don't see it because I'm so focused on getting through my lesson plan and yeah. measuring progress towards mastery mm -hmm. that I don't, I don't take the time to see them like I need to see them, mm -hmm. how like far, I want to see them. How far along were you in your teaching career at that time? Do you remember? Yeah, this was after it was, it was in the second semester because it was right after that. It may have been early March because Andrew's poem was a wake up call to me to, that I need to do something about this. This is very uncharacteristic of me. I'm not one to step out of the stands and onto the field. Mm -hmm. I stay in the stands. <laughs> you know, I will sell popcorn. I will deliver drinks. And but cheer I, everyone on. I'll, <laughs> I'll clap real hard. My, my middle school principal taught me never, never boo. So I'm not going to be yeah. booing anybody, but I, I can cheer. And it was, it was I've got I've to do this. And yeah. to me, I really do feel like it was, I, I call it a divine nudge. Mm -hmm. I felt like God was saying, Amy, I made you, I created you. I know that you struggle with confidence and insecurity and all the things, but if you will let me use you, mm. I will. And I believed him and I let him and he did. And that's why reach them to teach them exists. Okay. So what happened next? You had the idea, you had the thought, you were nudged. Did you just, and, and maybe people are missing what we're talking about, yeah. but 
your first event, right? So can you talk about right. that? Okay, so the first event, and I had, I, you know, all of, I'm not an event planner at all, and <laughs> even my kids' birthdays were Chuck E. Cheese birthday parties. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> we don't want to have, like, the Martha Stewart stuff in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep Pinterest out of this. Um, Let's keep Pinterest out of this. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I really did feel like I wasn't the only teacher who was at risk of losing the potential in, you know, in his or her classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got together with some other teachers at the school and I said, do you see this too? Do you see this, this shift of focus, all of our professional development up to that time focused on, uh, pedagogy, mm -hmm. you know, how do you present instructional material in a way that will engage kids and move the needle towards mastery of standards. And I felt like our, the metaphor I like to use is a, a mom who has her baby on her hip and she's looking at her cell phone and her baby reaches up with the little chubby fingers and mm -hmm. pulls the mom's chin back towards, mm -hmm. back towards her or, or him. And it's like, remember why you chose this profession. Mm -hmm. Remember why you're here. And anyway, so... I get caught up in detail, so I'm going to move it along. <laughs> um, and des decided a few days after Andrew's point, we've got to do something about this. And I had some fellow teachers who said, I see it too. I'll help. No, let's do it. We don't know really what we're doing, but we're going to do something. And I remembered that someone had given me a cassette tape. That's how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> of Guy Dowd, the 1986 National Teacher of the Year. Mm -hmm. Had a cassette tape called Molder of Dreams. And I would listen to that cassette tape sometimes on the way to school and on the way home from school. He told stories of um, being in a classroom when you have the football player come in after school and say, hey, it's senior night. And, you know, my dad lives in another state. And my mom's working. And, it, you know, if you're busy, it's OK. But if you could stand with me on the field, don't, you know, don't worry about it if you can't. He's like, yeah. oh are you kidding me? <laughs> You're asking me to stand with you on, you mm. got me. You know, it, it was, it was a reminder of those are the moments that matter most mm -hmm. and we can't miss those moments. So I reached out to Guy Dowd and yeah. he said that he had retired from teaching and makes a living as a speaker and he would love to come to Knoxville and he charged $3,500 plus travel expenses. <laughs> and I said, I want you to come on this date and press send and then realized I didn't have $3,500. Oh, crap. Yeah, what do I do now? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, crazy times. Um, lots of details with that, but I didn't have $3,500. Mm -hmm. And a couple days after that, I went to my mailbox at school, and someone had put a cashier's check in my mailbox for $3,000. Whoa. And on the memo line... Well, it has a little, it had a little line that said the purchaser, it said the dear Lord. And on the memo line, it said his, for, for his purposes, um, the little note was attached, said, you know, just whether you use these funds for guide out or for whatever you feel he's leading you to trust his purposes. He loves you very much. And I was like, complete surrender. <laughs> Show me where to go. I'll go. Bring, yeah. you know, whoever I'm supposed to talk to, I'll talk to. And I'm not, I wouldn't be described, I don't think anybody would describe me, especially then, as a go-getter. Yeah. Mm. I'm not super ambitious, like I need to be the best, I need to be mm -hmm. at the top. I don't want to be at the bottom, but I'm okay being in the middle somewhere. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, I, I'm not driven to mm -hmm. be, the, be the best to beat people. Yeah. Um, I do want to, I do want to be faithful to what God's called me to do. And I yeah. felt like he'd called me to do this. Yeah. So you have the first event, 
and yep. it, it goes well, and then it kind of grows, and then okay, Rob Miller, like yes, you met. You met, <laughs> <laughs> you, you met Amy years ago, and if you could just walk us through how that all played out. Yeah. Again, I'll just tie into what Amy's talking about. Just it, Some might call it serendipities. Others may call it uh, a nudge from mm -hmm. a divine mm -hmm. source. But uh, I, when I was an assistant superintendent in another school district uh, and a part-time blogger mm -hmm. uh, writing about educational issues, uh, simply uh, one day after a stressful day at work, I remember I was sitting in a medical office. My mother-in-law was having some surgery, and I just had some time. And on my iPhone at the time, I tapped out a, a blog called Hugging a Porcupine, and it was mm -hmm. about a young man similar to the one she's alluded to in her poem who struggled with trauma, had just one uh, set one bad incident after another and just a combination of events caused this mm -hmm. child to get off track and the whole premise of that blog was to say that we can make a difference yeah. if we can identify that kid and help them unpack that trauma in such a, a way we can get them back mm -hmm. and so the it was a had a good ending to it in that it uh, ended with a teacher making a difference. And um, and I, I pulled up the blog here, and I just, if with your indulgence, just kind of read the last mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely here. And, it's a, and I think this is what connected Amy and I. Is it's a core belief that I hold tightly is this. When children are in our schools, they are our kids, all of them. If a kid walks through the doors of our public school, we should see them, listen to them, push them, care for them, support and believe in them as if they are our own. When we help these children survive and thrive academically, socially and emotionally, we are reminded of the beliefs and passions that power our work as educators. All kids can learn. We know how to teach them. Together we have what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so when I posted that and it was a, you know, it was one of those things that just again caught fire because it went viral. Went, went viral, viral. Mm -hmm. and and it's very yeah. good. If you haven't read it, can, how can they find it? Yeah, because I want to tag it. Yeah, make sure it, people just can get it. hugging a porcupine okay. by Rob Miller. You should be able to. Yeah, I think I'll uh, tag it in the show notes. You'll yeah. be able to see it because it is is very good. It's very good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and it's it's captures. It's not. It, it really is an amalgam of multiple characters that I kind of pulled together mm -hmm. to, to describe uh, a variety of kids that come into our classrooms. And we are quick as schools to own the ones who are doing great things. You know, mm -hmm. the valedictorians, the yeah. star quarterback, the homecoming queens were great. That's our kid. Yeah. the yeah. High. But we're less prone to say, oh, that kid's ours too. And he's right. struggling or and he's in trouble all the time or yeah. And we have to recognize those are our kids mm -hmm. just as much as uh, the other kids. And yeah. we owe it to them to do everything we can to lift them up. And so about a month after that blog came yeah. out, uh, it apparently got into the social <laughs> feed of, of I think Amy's. I'm probably responsible for sharing it. <laughs> probably so. Like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so she you set that puppy viral. No, I was part of it. I was part of the yeah. feeds, I think. But. So I got just a call one day at yeah. work, and she identified herself, and mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about um, just her 
passion and mission things that she was doing in her classroom mm-hmm. and she, you know she to this day is a classroom teacher first mm-hmm. yeah. and then this other thing is something that she does because she feels uh, nudged to do so and as we said last night it's the it's the power that one teacher can do mm-hmm. both in the classroom and outside so uh, she invited me to participate yeah. in this great reach them to teach them event back in 2017 and again a leap of faith because i didn't have any you know send me some copies of your keynote speeches or, or right. you know, <laughs> videos of this or that she was she was basing that invitation on a 900 word blog that i done in oh, a wow. short conversation and she on, on the message right that's right and yeah. that yeah we talked about that it's mm-hmm. reach them to teach them is all about the message more mm. than the messenger it you know we're not we're looking for authenticity and when i read those words about hugging a porcupine i had images of specific students come in my head and at different stages you know the, the little boy starts out young and innocent mm-hmm. and fresh and eager and as his life takes its toll on him, he, he changes into a, a different right. little boy, and he's not the same anymore. But you can see you know, where he was and what he has the potential to be. And I was like, anybody who sees this is our messenger. Like, mm. that's, that's it. That's Andrew's story. That's the story of so many of our students. It is. So, so it, it really is all about the power of education, the mm-hmm. power of teachers and making sometimes yeah. small actions, listening, yeah. um, asking the right questions, and saying, how can I help? And mm. that, to me, when I talk with Amy, it's that's the question that's constantly going through her mind, mm. yeah. is what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Uh, not just students, but fellow educators to mm-hmm. recognize their value. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then let's tie in Relate and Educate to this big yeah. story. We have yeah. Reach Them to Teach Them. Then we have Rob Miller being asked to be a speaker. And then... And then Aaron, Aaron and I, we end up in Rob's office with his whole team. We'd mm-hmm. already met with Jess and Cheryl, and then they had us back to talk to the whole team. And this was springtime, mm-hmm. um, and we... We're talking about professional development and just a lot of things. I mean, we talked, I don't know, for like an hour. But you told me in that meeting, he said, have you ever heard of Amy Crawford? And I said, no. And he said, you need to, you need to get in touch with mm-hmm. her. And so when I left the office, I went down to my car and I found Reach Them to Teach in the website. And I emailed you from the car. And I think later that afternoon, we got in touch and we were on the phone <laughs> together. Uh, and it was soon. I think I remember like the next quick. day being like, okay, I don't waste I time. I don't yeah. wait. <laughs> so I'm not good at waiting. So we were on the phone that afternoon um, and had a wonderful conversation and found out that our purposes were uh, adjacent. They right. were right mm-hmm. alongside each other. So I remember the talk between you and Irek was just like, there's this lady in Knoxville and it's like, the same stuff. Like she's like one of us. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember this yeah. talk long before I ever met you long before last night. So. Yeah. And so that from that, I learned about what you did. And then Rob and I at the professional development, the day after the last day of school, we had this conversation just off to the side. And Rob said, if you can put it together, we'll, we'll get the money. And I said, 
let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what started it. And then we just finished it up last night. <laughs> so And it was fabulous. Oh, it like really was. It was it was a, such a good night. I couldn't sleep last night because I kept replaying all of the mm-hmm. things that happened all of the responses i heard and saw yes and, the and then when we went to brunch this morning that's all we talked about the entire time <laughs> like reading our emails and texts that we got from other teachers and stuff yeah it was just a good night so well let's talk about that like for the people who didn't get to go because unfortunately well fortunately and unfortunately we sold out in like 15 minutes yeah. which was wild and so there were a lot of people who didn't get to go so let's kind of just talk about a brief you know, description of what last night was. Oh man. Um, I don't know The we, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the best person because like Amy, I just have all of these thoughts. There's that so are many in. thoughts. Yeah. Maybe, maybe somebody else can well, handle I this. Think just the, to back up, I think we just threw a rock in the middle of the, the pond and yeah. watch the ripples mm-hmm. uh, and how oh, yeah. those flow out from that event. Yeah. Because we put this together and we made some changes as we were pulling it together because mm-hmm. this fell out and mm-hmm. put this in and we're trying to say, how can we engage teachers in such a way that not only are they entertained and they leave saying, that was a great two hours of my, that was worth the investment yeah. of time, but we also touch their heart and they leave with a message that challenges them to take that back uh, and be infectious yeah. uh, messengers of that same thing, that your job's important, you make a difference every day, and you are responsible for the culture and climate and what you do with, with kids. And so I think it was a combination of things with mm-hmm. Jill Donovan, you would think, from, from Rustic Cuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does she fit into a, an event like this? Yeah. But she did a great job. She did. She did magic for anyone who wasn't there last night. She did. For frame of reference, Jill Donovan is the founder of Rusticuff, which is, uh, you know, this phenomenon that happened in in, in and around the Tulsa mm-hmm. area. But he, she's got shops all parts all of the country. Over, yeah. But um, she's a friend of mine, and she has been working for a year on just a hobby of magic. And I just happened to call, and ask her if she could fill 15 minutes. And she's like, a year ago, I no. <laughs> but, but today, I can't wait because I have all of this stuff that I've been working on. I can't wait to show it to the teachers. And she loves teachers, yes. too. That was it. So, yeah. uh, but just her challenging herself, continuing to grow and continuing to be interested in, in different things, I thought was really touching. Um, and then, of course, Gary Brooks. And it's Gary Brooks, It is everybody. Gary Brooks, It's yes. not Jerry Brooks because that we didn't know info. this until he actually showed up. Backstage and introduced himself as Gary Brooks. And then word started spreading <laughs> around in like five seconds. Everyone knew like Gary, 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 yeah. Gary. All the English teachers in the room were yes. going through. They were perplexed. That's Jerry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it looks Jerry to me. <laughs> during, during the show, I went out and mentioned that Gary Brooks was backstage. And we, we gave him an Oklahoma howdy from, from the up front. But my wife immediately texted and said, it's it's Jerry. And I was like, I thought that too, but no, he's, he, he said it backstage. So anyway, of, everybody was like, what? I know. They, uh, one of my teacher friends that was there volunteering, she was like, I was like embarrassed for you guys at first because you guys kept mispronouncing it. And then she was, she realized like, yeah. oh, 
<laughs> That's it. So anyway, everybody, <laughs> all across the world, his name is Gary, Gary Brooks. Brooks. Okay. He should be the authority on <laughs> how his name is That is true. <laughs> We're trusting him at least. That is that he's true. Got it right. <laughs> so, well, last night, I just, my, I, we had the Broken Arrow Band, the Pro. Pride, Pride of Broken Arrow. Arrow. Okay, yeah. I want to make sure uh-huh. I'm saying it correctly. Um, the Pride of Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow Palm, Broken Arrow Cheer, yeah. just so many students out there. Out, out front of yes. the venue while people were pulling their cars into the yes. parking lot. It was and just it was a lit. party. It was. Yeah. And I just remember in our planning sessions and some of our planning meetings and then Rob throwing out this idea like, oh, maybe we could have a band out there. We could have cheerleaders out there. And then it happened. It just everything that we have been working so hard on and pouring our heart into and thinking like what how can we best celebrate these teachers and it was a great night and we had so many good comments of like i was just expecting to laugh because gary brooks was there but they felt stuff they cried they um uh, one person said they were convicted even like they were feeling like okay i need to take this back to my classroom and that brings me to something a conversation we were having at brunch amy and you were talking about always wanting to keep the purpose. I don't remember exactly the verbiage that you were using, but something like how the purpose in your events, you can't lose sight of those because you can throw an entertaining show, right? but that's not really the point of it. So tell us what you were saying. Well, for us, for Reach Them to Teach Them, we make sure we have three goals for every event. We want every teacher to feel appreciated and by appreciated, I don't mean we love teachers. Thank you for what you do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, we see the sacrifices yes. you make. We know the, the value guilt, the guilt you yes. carry. And Gary Brooks talked about it a little bit, like flipping that switch. But when you give the best of yourself to other people's kids and you go home too tired to engage with your own, that's convicting as a mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. But we, we want to let teachers know we see that. We see the sacrifices you make, the time that you give that you can't get back. Mm-hmm. And really, time is the most valuable gift you could give anybody because you can't get more of it. You only yeah. have so many hours in your True. day. So it's an appreciate on a different level. Yeah. Uh, and we want to inspire, you know, whether it be through a band playing out front being like look at them yes. or you know be inspired by any encounter they have with speakers on the stage or people helping them put their trash in the trash can mm-hmm. or carry their belongings to their seat whatever it is we want them to be inspired yeah. by what they experience and the third goal is to be challenged and that's for for me personally as the founder of reach them to teach them for me that's where that's where I want to see return on investment. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And you guys know this because you just, you're on the other side of it now seeing, you know, did you get the return on your investment? Mm -hmm. Because you gave up time, you raised funding, you talked to people, you had meetings, you shared your dream. And some people I'm sure absolutely embraced it and joined you, came alongside you and ran with you. And maybe some said, you know, no, nah, not this time. Yeah. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. see it necessarily. Mm-hmm. So to appreciate, inspire, and challenge. And, and challenge is we want everybody to come away challenged to be different in some way. Mm-hmm. Maybe to see things they didn't see before, to notice things they didn't notice before, hear things they didn't hear before, just like the porcupine. Like mm. this child who's acting this way in my class had a situation where adults didn't do right by him yeah it's not fully 
I'm a believer in your decisions shape your future. You make choices. You choose. But this child had experienced such trauma that it wasn't entirely his fault yeah. mm-hmm. that he put his quills out and pushed people away. Yeah. It's because people had done wrong by him. So to, to see those situations where you want to say, you know, you lose recess, go to the office, sit in the hall, wh- you know, whatever the consequence may be, to maybe look at that child a little differently the next day. Yeah. It, and Amy, I, when I tell the porcupine story to teachers, too, and, and, and I'm very clear that we're not just talking about kids that are behavior issues or anything else is because as human beings, we're all porcupines. Mm, <laughs> there are yeah. things Amy, that cause all yeah. of us to put our quills up and right. say, stay away, give me some space, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so great teachers are the ones who can recognize, okay, this is what triggers this student to put up their quills a little bit. Mm-hmm. How can I... How can I talk that down and let them relax their quills a little bit so that I can get close enough yeah. to form that relationship to make a difference? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. It's not just the behaviors. No, I'm a porcupine. Ask my wife. You know. <laughs> <laughs> she will agree. Oh, man. I love it. Well, yeah. I'll clearly edit this part out because we're just sitting here. Um, it's been we're, about an we're hour. We're good. Do we yeah. need to wrap it? Do we yeah. Need to? Yeah. It's... It's been so good. So okay, do we need to talk any more about last night? Is there anything we want to make sure we say on I here? That there's going to be another one. <sighs> That's right. Yes, okay, so Rick, what's the yeah. future plan for Teachers Night Out? This is an awesome event. What's our plan? We're going to run it back, as we say in the gym. We're going to do it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love this time of year right before Thanksgiving. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of our sponsors, one of our uh, presenting sponsors asked us if we're going to get a bigger venue next year. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to, you know, I think we'll all be thinking about it in the months to come and then we'll start planning soon. I would imagine, Yeah. but we can't wait. We can't wait to do it again. So teachers night out volume two. That's right. Coming up. Come, in coming your way. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Well, is there anything that we have not gotten to talk about? Yes, there is. I'm going to say this. Rob, we need to get to know you. We just we got to know Amy at first. So just for like, I don't know, a few minutes, let's talk about what you, we said that you're the Bixby superintendent. Okay, so what was your journey to get into education real quick to our listeners? Well, that's a story that some people find asynchronous is that I was, <laughs> I was a Marine Corps officer. I and, love it. You know, fought in Desert Storm and led Marines over there. And so they they hear me talk and they say, you don't talk like what we picture to be a Marine officer, which mm-hmm. is very unemotional and those kind of things. But uh, that's just a, a byproduct of working with kids mm-hmm. because when you work with kids for a while, you say, okay, these, this is different than what I expected. When I became a teacher, I thought I was just going to teach some science, mm-hmm. you know, the way that science had been taught when I, you know, where you really didn't relate with the kids, you Here's the instruction, here's your assignment, and let's go. Um, But kids are different today. Mm -hmm. And everyone out there who's maybe listening to this needs to recognize that the challenges that kids are facing today, part of it's just changing society, uh, changing cultural norms, but also technology has had Mm -hmm. an impact on our kids, and they no longer know how to turn it off or or just play or just relax and be stress-free. And so they come to us with a heightened level of just emotional uh, baggage, so to speak. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Nicholas Ferroni. It's the students who come from homes where they're loved come to school to learn. 
and those who don't have that come to school to be loved. Mm. And if we as educators uh, don't recognize that some of these kids need love first yeah. before we can really push the expectations of learning, we're going to miss those kids and they are going to just work their way through the system. Mm-hmm. We're never really going to meet their needs or get them on the, on the track that they need. So that's become a kind of a calling for me as well. Yeah. When we talk about testing and Amy, I know in Tennessee, you know, back a decade ago, it was all about test mm-hmm. scores and being mm-hmm. competitive and trying to increase student achievement. And as long as we're so focused on those narrow metrics of student achievement, yeah. we're going to miss the mark. Mm-hmm because not every kid's going to do well on those tests, and yeah. nor should we expect all kids to learn at the same rate mm-hmm. and everything else. What we need to do is focus on individual kids, mm-hmm. take them from where we meet them, yeah. and take them as far as we can. Mm-hmm. And in that, we need to make sure that we're fulfilling those other needs that they may have, social and emotional needs, so that uh, they're in a better place when they leave our classrooms and ready to move on to next grade and who knows we may have kids graduate from high school who don't read at an eighth grade level that are going to be highly successful adults because they have some of the other qualities that we need in in life and we just can't ignore those things and so uh, i am honored to be an educator and i'm honored to be around other people this was a great experience for me to work (laughs) with your team to to work with amy again and Mm -hmm. to work with my own uh my own staff who I just threw this idea out, and they said, we're on it. Yes. <laughs> and they, they all have regular jobs. Yeah. <laughs> they have yeah. a lot of things, in it, and they didn't push back in the least. They were like – Yeah, they were on it immediately. Me, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll get volunteers. I'll do this. I'll do that. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. Yeah. And it came together. And that, again, is going from the power of one to the power of many. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Put and that passion all together. And a quick plug for Rob Miller – you know, Jess Jernigan and Cheryl Wilkinson. Yes. Bixby Public Schools at the very top mm-hmm. has it where you want it. You guys did this solely for the teachers of the Tulsa area, which is outside of your purview. It's it's outside of Bixby, you know. So Bixby is a suburb of Tulsa, and they did this for teachers in Tulsa, Sand Springs, Broken Arrow, mm-hmm. Jinx, all of these different places for for really nothing back it was all of this was purely voluntary Mm -hmm. so i want to make sure that is known that bixby public schools stepped up really alone to get this thing going uh and uh we really appreciate it Mm -hmm. relate and educate to have a partner like that so kudos well thank you we're not in competition as long as we're all serving kids that's That's right right. amen Amen. i love it Well, we're going to end this chat with asking two questions. The first two questions go to you two, Amy and Rob, and then the last question will go to all of us. Okay, the first question is, if you had one minute to go back to your former self before he or she step into your first classroom, your first day of teaching, you have one minute to just say, this is it. This is the most important of the most important. What are you saying? You can go first, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. Well, I think we all go into the classroom and we initially teach the way we were taught. 
and mm-hmm. we remember those those teachers and we sometimes don't spend as much time building relationships and so uh, towards the end of my actual teaching time in the classroom uh, instead of spending those first couple weeks as a science teacher teaching the scientific method and the, the metric system and lab safety and all those things that just kill interest in science <laughs> <laughs> we did fun activities and we did um investigations and we because my mission then was to build passion mm. and say mm. this class is going to be awesome and yeah. you're going to love it uh same uh no teach like a pirate dave mm-hmm. burgess yeah. well I, I recognize now I was teaching like a pirate before there was teaching, uh, like, teaching a like a pirate. <laughs> but that was it. It was, you know, once you get them engaged, yeah. kids will do yeah. anything and mm-hmm. they will, they don't even know they're learning. Yeah. And they are because you've disguised it in yeah. fun you've stuff. You've cleverly disguised <laughs> so. it. That's good. All right, Amy. Yes, that's great. I, that every year at the, the first day of school, I ask kids to raise their hand, you know, vote for their favorite subject. And ELA, English Language Arts, which is what I teach, gets mm-hmm. no votes. And science <laughs> yes. gets the majority. Yes. You say math, but science. And I'm like, why science? Because we get to do so many cool things. <laughs> I was a science and social studies teacher, yeah. so I got to benefit from that. Like, they were Yeah, really the science excited. teachers. Man, you know, that game. How That's can I right. make periods and commas and prepositional <laughs> phrases compete with that? The solar system uh, or the human yes. body or whatever. But back to your question, um, the, the first thing that popped into my head, and I'm just going to trust it and go with it, uh-huh. was a piece of advice that my dad gave me during my first few years of teaching. It's going to sound so weird, but um, he said, don't let the turkeys get you down. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Don't let the turkeys get you down. He said, you're going to have kids who are going to be disrespectful. You're going to have kids who are not going to listen, who are not going to follow what you ask them to do. Don't let them get you down. Don't let them steal your joy. But the the real turkeys that get me down are the the parent emails yeah. or the fellow teachers or you know, criticism from you know other mm-hmm. other outside sources who don't really have the full picture of you know what's happening in the classroom and when he said don't let the turkeys get you down sometimes i have to take what I have to fill, you know, it was like we were talking about your feedback from the event last night that yeah. occasionally you'll have one or two people have this wonderful experience completely focused on them, designed to lift them up and encourage and cheer them on. And you'll have somebody say something like, I only got one highlighter. My friend got two, you know, and, and, and you're just like, what? <laughs> were we what? attending the same event? Right. But, you know, my dad was telling me, don't put your energy yeah. in that place because yeah. it's real tempting to do that because mm-hmm. you, you get you get good positive response yes. from your peers when you share that. You know, <laughs> it's like, true. Big are you emotion. Me? Yes. Yeah, it's like, just don't, don't let them get you down. Yeah. Y- you, you know what you're called to do, yeah. and you need to run that direction as fast and as hard as you can yeah. without okay. letting those turkeys get you down. I love it. That is good. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, this is for all four of us. What is something, it can be anything from a book to podcasts to a restaurant. I mean, literally anything that you have consumed somewhat recently that you would like to recommend to our audience. It can be anything. I'm going to start with a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Have any of you all heard of this? I I have, but I don't know the context, but I've heard that. It's um, with a woman, Nora McInerney, and she lost her husband to brain cancer and then re- and then right after that she lost her dad and then had a miscarriage and just it was like 
life was just turning on her. I mean, it wow. was just, she was walking through hell. And so she, people would be like, how are you doing? And she was like, forget the bullshit. I'm not going to say like, I'm fine. She's like, terrible. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And so like every episode is an episode featuring someone in their worst day, their yeah. worst day of their life. And it's been like people who've lost loved ones or people who have been, you know, in, addiction and just all different stuff. And it is, even though it is lit, you know, talking about the stories of people's worst day of their lives, it is so very, it speaks to your heart and it just, I don't know. It, I love it. I've been listening to it for several years now. Love it. She is a positive light in this world and I yeah. recommend terrible. Thanks for asking. All right. <laughs> uh, what to, to that note. Yep. Um, Tig Notaro is, is a, a comedian yes she did a impromptu stand-up at largo and if and if you uh google it it's tig at largo cancer like the google that mm -hmm. and she goes up on stage and does a stand-up routine about the fact that like i think her dad just died she got breast cancer like all of this just stuff life just life just kicked up. her right in the stomach and she was just honest and funny mm -hmm. and she's about two-thirds of the way through she's like you know this is really weird you know do you guys want me to stop and somebody in the back was like this is effing awesome yes. <laughs> but it was it's her honesty yes. and not backing away from it and twisting it so that it's funny it was masterful and it was so yes I, I, it's, it's, it's that it's that energy yeah but like i'm not defeated this yes. did happen and it's crazy but it's what I got. Yeah. So and anyway. And what I learned from it, yeah. too. So anyway. All right. Sorry. Who wants to go next? Well, I'll tie on to the same thing. All right. It's, uh, you know, again, contrary to what people may think about Marine Corps officers or school superintendents, we are vulnerable human beings mm -hmm. because we're just, that's people. who we are. Yeah. And so I've been reading a lot of work by Brene Brown and just mm -hmm. the importance of being able to be vulnerable and to, to say, I'm hurting today or I'm struggling today. Yeah. And again, in my capacity as a superintendent, I want to exude that mm -hmm. uh, I'm in charge. I got everything lined up. It's all good. Mm -hmm. But I also, there are times when somebody says, Hey, you look, looks like something's on your mind. What's going on mm -hmm. that I need to give them an honest answer Yeah. and say, mm -hmm. I'm struggling today for this or this, that. Mm -hmm. because it, it provides a window into who I really am. And mm -hmm. that I'm a human, just like they are. And it gives them then permission when I ask them sometime and yeah. say, are you okay for them to not to say, yeah. I'm good, I'm fine. Yeah. No, no, I can mm. tell something's wrong. Tell me. But if I'm not willing to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. others are not going to be vulnerable with me either. And then we're not going to have that same kind of connection and relationship. So yeah. uh, I encourage people to... Reader, not just to find your soft side, but to mm -hmm. better recognize your own emotions and how we interact with other human beings. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I, I know we're just coming, coming out of Veterans Day celebration, so I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you for your service. Mm. Well, thank, thank you, you for the yes. sacrifices you mm. made because yes. that can never be overestimated, what you've done. So thank you. Um, as far as recommending something, um, I'd like to recommend a book by a man named John O'Leary, and the title of the book is On Fire, and he, it's, 
I can't remember the number, but it's like six principles for how to live life mm-hmm. on fire. And the interesting thing about the book is he actually caught fire. He, he was burned oh, over wow. like 98% of his body oh. as a child. He was playing, he'd seen some older boys playing with gasoline and matches, making these little puddles of gasoline and throwing a match onto the puddle and watching these explosions. So <sighs> he tried to, one Saturday morning in his garage, he tried to mm. copy what the, he'd seen these older kids do and it, his house exploded. Oh and he had virtually 0% chance of surviving. But as he tells that story, he talks about the the people who stepped into his life, mm-hmm. even the custodian at the hospital who would clean his room because it had that custodian allowed any germs into his room, he would have died. He had no skin to protect his body. It had all mm. burned away. So just the stories that he tells, some unbelievable stories about people who had nothing to gain by helping him or seeing him, but did it anyway. Wow. One thing he says, I, I just want to end with this. Um, a lot of people will say when they're faced with a situation, you know, what more can I do? I'm doing everything I can. What more can I do? He said, change the way you say that to what more can I do? Hmm. Just make, how you make it a question. Make that it, you what mean, more can right? I do? Yeah. What more, what more can I do? Yeah. And be extravagant hmm. like that with your time and with your love. Wow, man, that's a powerful book. Yeah. Gracious. Yeah. I, I right. kind of feel bad about my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's all go yeah. downhill with Rick. Yeah. No. Oh, um, <laughs> no. I, haven't, I have not been in a place where I could read a whole lot lately, but just maybe a week or so ago, I, I got the book Moneyball uh, because the author was actually on a podcast that I recommended earlier called Smartless. Yes. And he was talking about this book that I knew as a, a movie. Mm-hmm. And I, so I got the book and the book is extraordinary. It's really good. It's not nearly as good as Amy's, but, <laughs> 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 but it is, it is, it is good. Well, thanks for the second place recommendation. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I, I want to say this to our listeners is that I interviewed Amy for the Relate and Educate book that is coming out in August. So if you liked what you heard here, there's more and you can read about her. Uh, in the book coming up. So. <laughs> she loves that. <laughs> yeah. She got a whole chapter, didn't she? Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. All right. Well, does anyone have anything you want to end with or say anything that we didn't get to talk about? It's totally fine. If Thank you, you to all those who yes. came last night. Thank you to Amy for her inspiration. and. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. It's been a great experience. <laughs> I'm so glad we it. all know one another now. I know it. Me too. Like, this, this is, is great. good. Greater this things. Good. All right. Well, thank you, too. And listeners, thank you for listening. Please visit our website at relatethenneducate.com. And if you'd like us to come to your school, awesome. We'd love to. So go to our website, click on our speaking page, and see what all we talk about and get in touch with us. We are always looking for teachers to get to talk to. And teachers, you have a story worthy of sharing. So reach out to us on our website or email us at relatethenneducate at gmail.com. Also like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at relatethenneducate and on Twitter at relatethenneduc and the number one. And then on whatever you're listening to this podcast, please, please follow us and leave a review. It really helps us grow. And also, if you could share us, that'd be even the best thing. And finally, teachers, you are worthy, you are valuable, and you are loved. Bye.